top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like 45 minutes, and we were at like Chelsea. What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Welcome back to Top Bins, the show bringing you all the action from the Premier League Serie A. This is going to be a Serie A more focused episode because it's finally back. We had the return of the Premier League last week when we were with you uh, to talk about. This week we got Serie A back. We had a, an action-packed day from 6.30 to like 4.30 today uh, on the East Coast at least. Games all day. It was fantastic. We're going to break that all down for you. Talk a little bit about the Premier League as well. I am your host, Matt, joined by my co-host, Dom. Dom, how are you? Um, I'm doing better today. I got food poisoning uh, yesterday. <laughs> uh, I pushed my uh, Christmas leftovers a little bit too far. And, uh, ate, them on, ate them on the second. And yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. You know, Christmas <laughs> leftovers. <laughs> yeah i didn't want to throw out my mom's food i was like oh it's, it should still be good so i i ate it instead of throwing it out i paid for it the next day i was out of commission all day yesterday ran a ran a fever over 100 like it was i tried to go to work and it was a good thing i turned around because it was it was not good yesterday my brother in christ i don't know what made <laughs> you think that that was good <laughs> from christmas jesus Christ. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm glad you're uh, you're back. You're back with the team. Back training with the first team. <laughs> Don Ponteri, questionable with illness. Um, with a questionable illness. Syria was back, and we had a, a pretty fun day. Uh, lots of games throughout. Uh, I think the biggest one that we had circled for our return was Inter Napoli. It did not disappoint. It was action packed. Had a lot going on with it. Inter ultimately win 1-0 thanks to an Ed and Dzeko goal. Uh, Napoli no longer unbeaten in the league, which is, I think, kind of good. It injects a little bit of parity into it. Um, Inter, I thought, were much better in this game. I, I thought they controlled the game very well. Uh, Napoli did not seem to have uh, many chances for, for offensive breakthrough. Cavardana, I think, was dealt with pretty effectively in this game. He kind of got the messy treatment, you know, where it's like three or four players are sort of boxing him in constantly, trying to just limit the space that he can work into. Um, and that was fascinating. I think for broader picture, this obviously this obviously has implications, right? Because, you know, we, we know that we still have a, a pretty interesting title race in Italy. Um, Milan won very early in the day uh, through Rafa Liao and Tonali. They, I think, are very happy with Inter for kind of doing them a little bit of a solid here and taking some points off of uh, off the leaders to to ensure that the title race gets a little more tight. Um, so yeah, Inter are only uh, only five points back now of Napoli, and yeah, I think that's that's the broader takeaway here is that we've we've finally seen Napoli lose a game. They probably should have lost maybe one or two others through the course of the year if you just some bounces go the the other way but they finally dropped that game and now the the top of the table gets a little more interesting yeah i mean you know when you look at the numbers it doesn't it doesn't look like napoli was like that far off in in, in the game they had more total shots um they had more possession they passed very well uh but you know like what you said earlier they seem to box you know box in Cavaradona. uh I saw things on Twitter, you know, a lot of Napoli fans. So obviously it's very biased in their takes, but um, I heard that the ref was not like uh, under control of this game. Apparently card Scalia got like hurt and they weren't like stopping the game and things like that. I, I doubt it, you know, based off of who was tweeting that, but you know, um, 
I heard I heard like Lozano had a bad game. Uh, it was not was... a it was not an inspiring match if I'm like a Napoli fan. Like I did not love the way this game went. Because um, again, just watching it, I, I I struggle to think of too many big chances that they they created. Um, their midfield did not seem to be able to to work themselves in the game. Like we've seen so much this year. Like that's been the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, there's a few moments where they started to get back in that that flow that you expect in Napoli. But it's also a tough game. You know, if you look at the course of the season. Going away to to enter is going to be for every team one of their hardest you know matches, especially when it comes straight after the break. I, I wouldn't be too concerned, but uh, just not the type of performance that you'd want. You know, there's you're going to lose some games. Losing this game, I don't think is necessarily a killer for them. But again, it just it opens the door a little bit now for Milan and a team that we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, Juventus enter uh, themselves too. Will it convince themselves? Like, hey, you know, we were up more than you know napoli were you know in the title race you know and, and we lost it like you could certainly regain ground you know through the the course of the season like it's not it's not impossible for you and napoli obviously involved in the champions league maybe you know they make it a little further things get stretched for them you know like it's just so you can tell yourself so many stories about the way the rest of the season is going to go that uh i i was kind of happy to see napoli lose just for the sole fact that i think it makes the title race interesting not that it you know even if they had won today it's not like it it you know, the lead that they would have had, you know, um, eight points is like insurmountable at this time of year. You know, we've, we've seen teams lose those types of leads. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not crazy to think that that could happen, but um, I'm excited. I, I, I like the way this is going. I, I still think Napoli should obviously be considered the favorites, but Inter showed me a lot. You know, I think too, this is, this is great for them because I think one of the biggest criticisms, and I think it's probably fair, is that Inzaghi's not been able to get the results in the big games. You know, that's been a big question mark this season, especially. Uh, not been able to beat some of the, the big teams in Italy. And this is a, a a really good mark to put on your resume, right? Like, and I think they've just been a little lucky enter this year with some of their results. And I think this is something that can give them some confidence in the new year now to, to actually go on and, and pick up a lot more points and, and not drop those ones in sort of uh, frustrating fashion like they have so far this season. Yeah, I don't want them to pick up too many points, but you know, uh, anything that helps Milan get closer to the lead, I'll take. You know, Inter Inter was being friendly to their to their uh, crosstown rivals, so to their roommates. Yeah, to their roommates. Crosstown isn't isn't the actual accurate thing, you know. To their... <laughs> so uh, the team that that I I sort of quietly mentioned uh, because I tell you they're looking good. They're getting some injuries back. Yeah, Juventus uh, uh, a late winner against Cremonese today. I can't stand it, man. For how bad they've been, I can't stand it. For how much the discourse has surrounded how bad uh, Juventus is, we, I, you know, I, we, again, we kind of got lost in the World Cup shuffle. Their entire board and so many like front office people resigned in disgrace because of a uh, you know a scandal now with uh, some of their their accounting numbers. Um, they come back. This is a vintage Juventus display, with uh, with just like stout defending for most of it, and then just like an absolute like, I'm gonna be honest, pretty lucky goal to to win it. Um, a one nil win is just right up Allegri's uh, you know wheelhouse, and I can't help it. They're not gonna be involved in the title race, but it's just I think it's very funny to me that we came into the season talking so much about how you know. You could tell me one through five, one through six in Italy in like any order. And it's like, you know, who knows? And it felt like a really good opportunity for some of these teams. You're like your your Roma, your Lazio, uh, even like Atalanta, Fiorentina, whoever, to to make a a claim to one of those top four spots in Italy. You get into the Champions League. Like, what an opportunity. And Juventus have somehow still just held on with uh, this death grip to, to third position in the league. Somehow, I, I, I don't quite understand it. Chiesa was back today, uh, his first appearance in competitive fixture uh, for Juventus. He played a friendly over the World Cup break, but uh, it's good to see him back. And Pogba, we'll see when he returns. It's um, I, I know relatively soon Pogba should be back. Uh, so, like, you know, I it just feels like maybe we oversold their demise a little too much uh, through the course of, of the beginning of the year. Listen, they played Kiev Verona. Come on now. Today they played. Or Kremlin. sorry, no, Hellas. <laughs> or, or, or sorry, I'm looking at the wrong thing. I'm looking at the wrong. I'm looking at the wrong match. That's why. Um, listen, they played Cremonese again. That's even worse. Like, come on now. Come on. 
everyone's got to play Kramenese twice. You know, Come like on. what do you want for that? What what is a what is a little concerning is 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 you know they six wins in their last six games. Uh, you know, it, 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 it what's weird is like their their lineup does not stand out to me. You know. Like, yeah, I'm looking, you, you look at this and it's, it's not something that you expect when you look at a lineup that, that they're bringing out. Of course, yes, Kies is coming off the bench in this one. He's getting more match fit. Uh, Paredes is coming off the bench, you know, Fajoli starting over him right now. Uh, other guys like, like Di Maria are, you know, getting some rest because of the world cup, but it, it's not a lineup that convinces me that they're going to continue to win. And they just somehow do it. It's always it's always Juventus, right? It's always some way. They just find a way to get results done, whether it's legally or through paying the refs. So, you know, <laughs> uh, I really did think that all of these off-field distractions and, and you know, the whole front office kind of just, you know, jumping ship was going to be a bigger distraction, but I guess it's not. I think, too, what's interesting is – I think quietly as well, they've introduced some young players into this season that I, I think by the end of the year will be talking a, a lot more favorably. Sule, Fajoli, Moretti today all starting and, and playing pretty well. Um, you know, I, and I, I just think that that maybe hasn't been discussed enough because I think too, typically Allegri's not been a, a manager we associate with giving opportunities to young players. I think of it much more as like a pragmatist and a realist and those guys typically are not ones that are giving the shots to the younger guys. They can, of course, if they're you know a, a special talent, but you know, for the most part, the the kind of faith that he's shown because it's not the first time either that we've seen these names on the team sheet, whether starting or coming in in big moments. Like these guys have been trusted at times too to change the courses of of games so far this season. So um, he's shown some faith in the younger players too, which I think is fascinating and is an interesting thread for the rest of the year and kind of how this team develops because they're still got a room to grow here and again once once Pago comes back once you expect Chiesa to be back to fully fit um you know Rabio Paredes you know coming back from World Cup duties like I don't know like I think this team is they've obviously had some disappointing moments this year like the, especially flaming out of the Champions League group but I think still like within Serie A this is a team you have to take very seriously when you talk about like top four ambition um again I don't know that the title is there for them I, I don't know that they have like the goal scoring especially to do that but it's not a team that I think, you know, we, for all the, for all their flaws, they're a lot more consistent than so many of the other top teams in Syria are, you know, we, we love to build up again, Roma, Lazio is like the big challenges, but those teams, especially Lazio we'll talk about just can't stay consistent. You know, that's been an issue for them for a long time. That's not just, you know, this season. So I, uh, I still have a lot of faith in Juventus through the, the course of the rest of the season. Um, I just want to, before we move on, um, because I know we're not going to talk about it too much uh, today. Uh, you mentioned the Milan win. They won 2-1. I just wanted to give a shout-out. Memo Ochoa uh, in the top five league again. Uh, playing, made his – I'm sure this was his debut, right? Because uh, he made this move after the World Cup. Uh, made his debut with Salernitana. Uh, obviously not the and result Rafael that you would like to get. juked him out but... of his socks. <laughs> Obviously not the not the start he wants for his Serie A career, but uh, nice to see him playing in a top league. Uh, it's one of the most iconic goalkeepers of, of like our time, you know. I think every top attacker is also very happy to see Memo Ochoa <laughs> because uh, for whatever reason he's great. The World Cup has been Dude, average to below average uh, at all of his clubs. The Tonali goal too. I'm gonna be very honest. Positioning I don't think was very very good at that. Um, <laughs> He's an absolute legend in the World Cup, but after that, it's just... I, I just think there's a reason that he's going uh, to Salernitana. No disrespect to our boys from Salerno, especially because they're your like, second favorite team in Serie A. You love, you love bigging up Salernitana for whatever hey, reason. Listen, um, they, they know how to get the job done at times. The, the Southern boys do, and that's what we'll move on to next with Lecce, uh, a shock comeback against Lazio. Uh, it felt like maybe this was going to be a little bit of a cruise for Lazio. Immobile back, you know, he was obviously injured before the World Cup break. Uh, scores, a pretty disappointing goal if you're Lecce to concede in this way, but scores, either up 1-0, they have some chances throughout the rest of the game, not able to convert them. It's a classic tale, right, of like... Uh, the the favored team not being able to put the game away. Lecce pulls some goals back, and uh, they get a, they get a big win. I'm surprised at this because Lecce were a team that I I personally did not have a lot of faith in staying up in Serie A this year. 
obviously their fate is still not certain, but they've done a lot of good work uh, to ensure that, you know, this second half of the season is, is a lot more manageable for them. Uh, they currently sit in 12th in Syria. Uh, they have four wins to their name, 18 points. So, you know, they, they've done really well for themselves this season. I And again, I you know, sometimes you got to admit when you just you read it wrong. And I think Lecce seem like they're on a path to stay in Syria this season, which would be, again, if you told me that in August, I would have been a little surprised at. But um, I can't help but feel, too, this story also revolves around Lazio again being inconsistent you know I, I sort of started to really believe in them this year and their ability to to finish top four and sort of be a team that's uh, a little more consistent and interesting and here they are again uh with the just like individual mistakes the 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 lapses in concentration that we've we've gotten them from them over the course of the last year and a half if not longer to be honest but um very frustrating game i think if you're a lazio fan uh for that reason Listen, as long as Lecce has the star boy Lorenzo Colombo up top, uh, they're going to do fine. They're going to they're gonna stay in the league. Uh, it's nice to see that he got on the score sheet. Uh, is, uh, was that a full signing or is he on loan? I can't remember. Uh, I believe. Do you know off the top of your head? I think he's on loan. Yeah. But I'm not totally sure. That's great. Love, love the fact that he's on loan. That would be he is, great. He is on loan. Yeah, that's beautiful. Seeing him get another goal, very happy. Okay. <laughs> hey, that's, it's that's a tr- the, hey, that's the, that's the Dom Aganda right there. That's <laughs> it's, I'm going as long as he's scoring, I'm going to promote it, man. That is that is this is the only way because Milan doesn't have any type of youth pro- like they're Primavera. Like it, it, it doesn't produce players like that. Those play like the the promising players get loaned out and they stay on loan, and then Milan like sell them. They never bring them to the main, the the main team ever. Ever uh, name name the last Milan youth product we've had? Uh, Cutrone. <laughs> yeah, how'd that work out? You were sold on him for the longest time. I yeah, don't know. You told yeah, me. I think, I think a lot of people were sold on him, but with the way that he was playing, and then they gave him another season. No, he made that. He made that big league move. He 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 went to a what was it Valencia? He went to Spain, right? And and he just absolutely played. Ter- no, he went to Wolves. That's where he went first. He went to Wolves. How'd that work out? No, the I think Wolves move was uh, a little surprising. Yeah, I think it's a uh, Calabria. I think that's yeah. That's Calabria the... is the only one I can think in in recent time that uh, made the I, breakthrough. I, like, like Gabia, but Gabia hasn't been convincing enough to to say that it's been a success yet. But I mean Donnarumma, yeah. you know. But I mean. His breakthrough was also like six years ago, you know. Yeah. But I mean, you know, if you're talking success, he's obviously not with Milan anymore. But I think it has to be mentioned if you're talking about yeah, players you've produced for sure. Of course. Um, yeah. So anyway, sorry, you know, sorry to Lorenzo, bring up, the, sorry to bring up the X. You know, I. The, <laughs> and no, it's okay. I see him get scored on all the time. I see him riding the bench in Paris. It's cool. <laughs> it's cash in the check and don't get any playing time. I love it. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I'd take uh, that deal. I would, yeah. I would take four hundred yeah, thousand a week. You you get to you get to train your skills with Messi and Neymar shooting at you, and then have nothing to show for it. How did you leave Mbappe out of that sentence? <laughs> I I don't know. I, just, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sam because Doria. he's not saving those. That's why. Sampdoria, big win today. Uh, they played Sassuolo. This was a, this was a big day in general, I think, for the the relegation zone in Italy, uh, because I, I think that was we've had some really underperforming teams, you know, that we've talked about. Cremonese still do not have a win in in Serie A this year uh, or this season, I should say. Um, yeah, but we talked so much about how you know some of these bottom teams have been kind of historically just not able to get points. Um, this was, I think, the best I've seen Sampdoria play this season, uh, and it was spearheaded by Manolo Gabbiadini a guy that has had, you know, like flashes here and there through the course of his career. He's like, if you've been watching Serie A for the past six or seven years, you're like familiar with, with his face and, and his play. And you know that he has these moments where he can be very, very good. And today was one of those days for him. Uh, it just, the, the ball was attracted to his foot constantly, uh, scored in this one. And um, again, like I said, I thought it was Sampdoria's best performance. Their second goal was brilliant as well. It was, it was a great strike. So um, it's a huge win for them. It's only their the third of the season. Uh, I'm sorry, it's their second of the season. Uh, you know, they got... <laughs> They only had six points before this. Now they have nine, which is fantastic. They're still, uh, you know, five points off the pace of Spezia. But, you know, this 
this is like the potentially, you know, kind of the the signal point for them to to start turning around their season because Sampdoria are obviously one of the biggest clubs in Italy. You know, like they they have a, a very big history. Uh, you know, especially like when we were very young, uh, especially in the nineties. But you know, it would be kind of surprising to have uh, a top flight without them. So for me, it'd be nice to see them. Uh, you know push a campaign to stay up and they certainly have talent it's not like this this team is uh you know devoid of players make you know that are capable of making a difference Sasswell, it should be said to are missing some players through injury that's been an issue for them for a lot of the season you know no maxime lopez in this game and you know they they've obviously lost a lot of players from last season's campaign you know through the winter uh through the the summer transfers and all that so that's been frustrating i think if you're if you're sassuolo focused and you know they're sort of hovering around the uh the relegation zone a little scary as well but it's a big win for sampdoria it can't be understated and you know I, again i think it's it's their best performance that we've seen this season and you, you kind of hope i think that this is where they they carry on i mean 12th and 17th are separated by only four points so that's not a big margin sassuolo has 16 uh Lecce, who's in 12th, has 18. So it, it's it's not that big of a difference. And every single game matters for all of these clubs because any of them could end up finding themselves in the relegation zone. And if, if you know, this win for Sampdoria spearheads, you know, a run of good form for them, they get a couple of draws, they get a win here and there. Next thing you know, they're out of there. And, you know, another team like Monza, Sassuolo, or Spezia could be down there. Uh, you know, a run of bad form for Bologna, Lecce, or Empoli, and they could be down there. Right. Like and, 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 you know, so it's it's really, really interesting at the bottom half of the table with all of these teams, because all of the reforms have been so inconsistent where a team like Sampdoria. And I, I mean, I'm not sold on Verona or Cremonese. I mean, Cremonese is above Verona and they don't have a win. Like it's, it's sad for both of those teams. At least this win for Sampdoria gives them a little bit more confidence uh, that they can maybe, you know, grind out a few more wins uh, in, in the next uh, few weeks and, and get themselves out of that relegation zone. That to me is just the story of Serie A this season is you have these chunks of the table that are incredibly close and it's like the most meaningful parts of the table, right? It's like, you know, Napoli have pulled a little bit away, but you know, from two to six is very tight. It's only a six point difference, you know, and it, what a difference it is to finish second rather than sixth or fifth, you know, like it's, it's just a massive difference to these teams. And when you're talking the very real business side of all this, right? Like the Champions League money matters a lot, especially to teams in Italy where, you know, that is a huge source of revenue. You, you see, you mm-hmm. can see what it does for clubs when you have that kind of perpetual income. It's why Juventus was able to pull away. You know, one of the reasons I should say they were able to pull away from so many teams in Italy in the past decade, right? Because they were continually in the the top, uh, you know, Champions League places. They were going deeper into the competition too than you know many other Italian teams. The only other Italian teams I can think of that had real forays, at least to like the quarterfinals of the Champions League in the last, like, decade-plus was Napoli, you know, in those Cavani years, uh, you know, we're at least making the quarters uh, with, with some kind of regularity, at least making the knockout stages. But Milan had a few a few years where they did, but, like, largely speaking, Juventus were the only Italian club with any consistency getting to those later stages. Um, and just what an advantage that is. You know, you're talking 20, 30 million uh, euros difference, you know, just by each each way that you progress it's massive so yeah and you look at the bottom too and it, like you said it's it's very it's very short now you know verona sitting at the very bottom of the table the six points it's going to be a huge mountain for them to climb to get up but like you said you know the the spot from where you're comfortably mid-table to you really have to be concerned about any time you're playing someone else around you when you're in those 16th 17th spots because the games and, and the points matter just so much more is very slim and I think the margins are very thin, which is kind of how it felt coming into the year, right? It felt like it was very hard to separate a lot of these teams, which can provide a lot of entertainment, and it has. Um, so I like that that's like rang true at least this year. You like it's been very hard to really separate, you know, into tiers a lot of these teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you're talking about a six point difference just from what second to sixth, right? Yeah. Uh, that six point difference goes from tenth to seventeenth in in syria right now so that's that's kind of crazy i mean six points is is not a lot that's two, that's two weeks in two weeks your direction could feel so different you know yeah. it, it's a lot it's of massive. opinions on a lot of teams could be changed you know it, it's 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 so crazy i mean even in the top like that's what that's what makes for an exciting 
exciting, you know, second half of the season, especially now that Napoli lost. It, it, can I can I ask you? Does it seem like it's going to be another Napoli year of uh, we're so good in the first half and the turn of the new year we come back from the break and uh, here we go we're going to fall down the table again? It's hard to say, and I don't want to cop out the answer. I just think it's <laughs> it's a very it's a very hard game to judge anyone on when you're going away to answer. I did not think they were terrible today, and it didn't feel quite the way that it has felt in years past. Um, I will say the thing that benefits them is that outside of Milan, no one has been consistent enough this year to really make me feel like... Like, Milan is going to chase Napoli all the way, no matter what. I, I'm very confident those two will be in the discussion. It's whether or not Inter can get consistency over the course of the season. And we'll see what Juventus does, too, because I say Inter, but Juventus are ahead of Inter on the table. you know. But to me, Inter feel like the better, more rounded team you know, with just a better talent overall. Um, maybe not better coach, but you know, I, I, I would just, I would give the advantage to enter in that situation. I think Napoli have the benefit of that, that it's, it's really only Milan chasing them. Um, they already have a positive result against them, uh, you know, uh, once this year. And I think can probably feel confident that they should be able to do that again. But yeah, I mean, it, it is an issue worth discussing. At least you like that Napoli have had these issues in years past with, getting the results and you know the season is obviously going to stretch into june this year too like it 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 feels like the halfway point and it it really isn't even you know it really technically isn't even the halfway point like we still have a whole you know other you know half of the matches to be played plus a few extra that still haven't been played um so so napoli are going to be tested here and um you know there's just a, a long way to go uh i I just, I, I still think it's them. I still think they've shown so much in, in this first part of the year that doesn't feel fluky to me. It doesn't feel like, oh man, they're just going to fall away at a point. I think their midfield has been so good. Um, it's just, it's hard to see. Now, are they going to get the Cavardiscalia performances that we saw week to week, you know, in September, October? I'm not sure on that. I think he's obviously a very good player and we're still going to see that. But, you know, I wonder too if, teams especially the top teams look at the way inter dealt with him today and you're not going to get that every week you're not going to be able to do that all the time within like he's a good player so he's going to find his moments but you know we talked so much last year one of the reasons that napoli fell apart was osiman was really separated from a lot of the talent you know insigne was not able to provide good service and was not a threat enough that defenses really had to worry about him and osiman was constantly being forced out to the channels chasing down balls and constantly have to create on top of being a top goal scorer like that's just very hard for a player to do um you know if you're in a situation again where he has to do that yeah you know i don't know that could that could be an issue that could be a real issue for napoli it doesn't matter how good your midfield is if you're not creating goals too you know like um but yeah i, I still think they're, they're the favorite for me What's funny to me is that Napoli has very good team depth. They have players like Ndombele and Raspadori on the bench, Lozano on the bench. I think that Spalletti, for in, uh, in order for Napoli to be successful in the second half of the season and maybe pull this off with, with the Scudetto at the end, is he needs to get a little creative with his, with his lineups, switch it up a little bit. Uh, because uh, I, I, like you just said, you know, teams are going to find ways to kind of counter the 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 play styles that that lead to Napoli's success right get it to Kvaradana let him let him create uh and and open it down the channel so OC men can get that service um not really sold on Politano really um and their midfield I have nothing bad to say about their midfield that three that, that midfield three has been the best in the league up to this point Right. And, and I don't think it's it's more of a fault to them. I don't think it's a fault as much to the back line either. It's just, you know, I'm thinking that teams have kind of started to see their identity and they haven't switched it up enough for me. I, I was very right. frustrated today with uh, with Inter's goal because Ramani really switched off and allowed Jekyll to get in behind him for because ultimately like a, not quite a tap in, but for a striker of his quality is always going to be in the back of the net like you know, those moments really matter, you know, like, and it's just like, we've seen titles decided on much less. And, you know, that would be the one concern for me too, is like, you know, it's, it's very easy to be defensively solid. We saw this from them last year too, at the start of the year, like, you know, we forgot how dominant they were going into December and it all sort of fell apart for them. And part of that was injury related, but, um, you know, defensively, they were really solid last year and it, it all started to, to fall away from them. And especially, I can remember there was two periods, December of last year is where, 
they sort of fell off as like the runaway leaders and then you know through the course of the winter inter picked up a lot of steam and it was really inter milan napoli all going for it and napoli fell apart in uh it was like april they had, they had like just a lot of bad results and they were just out of the race you know just just like yeah. that it was like three straight bad games where they picked up like two points and you know it's just that's the knife's edge that's the balance that you're on any team can have that kind of run um i would just say based off what we've seen this year napoli are still the favorites for me you know like they yeah. Anything you say about them, you could say about any other team. Milan have goal scoring issues too. You know, like Milan do not have that reliable goal scorer either. Like Rafa Leao is obviously fantastic, but, you know, we've seen him in games and it's just sometimes it's variance too. Like, it's, he is not a player that is in a position always to influence the game in the most, like, outstanding way. Like, he can create, he can beat his man 1v1, but he's not always going to be able to do all of those things and score the goal, right? Like, it's just, you know, that has been an issue for them, and depth is uh, a slight concern. Although Milan are finally healthy, Magnon is not back, but you know that's an under underrated perhaps storyline from the return today too. Is it's the first time they've had that center back partnership back now this season. Mm-hmm. Like you know, there, there's a lot to be positive about if you're Milan, and again for teams like Juventus and Inter that are sort of on that bubble, you're looking outside in on the title race. They'll be telling themselves like. You know, hey, we're getting injuries back too that are healthy, or you know, we, if we get consistent, you know, if Juventus say like, listen, we won six straight, we've still the comfortably the best defensive structure in the league. There's no tell, you know, who knows? Like, we could be sitting here in, in mid February talking about Juventus being two, three points out of the race. We could be talking about Inter being two, three points out of the race, and all of a sudden, you know, we look towards the the Juventus Milan game or the Napoli uh, Inter game in in the spring as like a big title decider like that that's totally possible to me right now yeah I mean it, it with with Milan uh, what you brought up about Liao like they're very one dimensional they don't have a right side right Calabria is not a big attacking you know threat and and neither is Alexis Salamakers Junior Macias is very inconsistent there. So it makes it very easy for teams to kind of just overload one side and make it very tough for a layout to create. Giroud can't get the proper service all the time. It's kind of like what you were talking about Napoli last season, right? Their, their goal scorer or their, 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 uh, their poacher, right? Their, that, that fox in the box type guy. He's only getting service on one side. He's not getting it from the other side. I don't know what it is with the Ketelare and Pioli apparently things aren't going well like, like things are going well but something's not going well and he's not getting like chances on the right side uh it is positive for me to see you know guys like Dest and Bronx get in even if it's like six seven minutes of the game time like they're still seeing the field um I'm happy about that you know especially for Dest after you know his performances in the World Cup which were which were very promising um I, they need they need to figure this thing out, you know, to improve their consistency because, you know, like you said, a couple losses can shoot them down the table with with how teams beneath them are playing. So, uh, as a as a biased fan of Milan, uh, I'd really like to see them, you know, fix this. But I don't know if I'm completely confident. I did tweet out something today about. Somebody they should try to sign. I don't think it would ever this happen. Is, this it's is not going to happen. This was unbelievable <laughs> from you. This was unbelievable from you. After I watched them, just you know, it, they they made it the game late on to learn Itana, but largely speaking, Milan controlled this game. It felt like they were cruise control. And you're crying out for Delafeu on Twitter. Listen, just, listen. They dropped back into a back five, dude. Like they they scored their goals and then played Catenacho the whole time. Like that's the way to do it. That's what you do. <laughs> Listen, 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 listen. Delafe is not the answer. Udinese is falling to... down the table. Let's rescue him. <laughs> he can play on the right side. Yeah, I can <laughs> fix it, right? <laughs> no shot. <laughs> let me let let me dream, all right? Let me dream. I'll let you dream. Obama wake you up too. Um, <laughs> let's move to England. Uh we had a, a a game at the top of the table which uh felt like it was gonna be really exciting and then ultimately wasn't all that exciting arsenal nil newcastle nil uh newcastle have not conceded a goal in i believe it is now six games in the premier league um so <laughs> they're just they're doing it all with the defensive structure there and uh just really limiting opponent chances um arsenal fans walked away from this i think a little frustrated and 
Arteta called this a scandalous result because of some of the the lack of penalties given to Arsenal and some of the decisions that went against them, which was just frankly an insane thing to say. Uh, the penalty decisions in this game to me were very 50-50. They were the classic, like, if it's called on the field, I'm not sure it's overturned. But since they weren't called on the field, it's hard to overturn that decision. Like, it's just, it happens to every team. I it, To me, this was not a scandalous, you know, robbery of Arsenal here. Um, it did highlight, I think, a potential weakness in Arsenal, right? You know, like, they are not the deepest team. They're a young team, and they've taken a big step forward this year and are still firmly, you know, in control of the title, right? Um, but, you know, it says a lot about in a game that they're chasing, trying to break down a, a really defensive, uh, you know, hard-to-break-through to type of team. Arteta doesn't really have a lot of options to bring off the bench. You know, like, he's he's really... Well, he's bringing on Tommy Asu for Ben White. That's it. You know, in a game that you're chasing, that you, it would be great to get these three points, again, against a team that's in the top four with you, that is, like we were talking about, Juventus and Inter sort of looking outside in on the title race. I don't know that Newcastle are obviously going to beat it, but, you know, when they're within, you know, just a, a, you know six or seven points of you, you have to at least consider the thought um, and how important it could be potentially to get a result like that, get those three points, and especially as you're looking at a team like Manchester City, and, and the kind of runs they can go on, a team like Manchester United, which, you know, have done really well, uh, you know, after the break and then even going into the World Cup where it sort of had a, an uptick in form. Like, it's an important game that you want to get all three points from. And I think when your best option or the option that you choose, at least, is Tomiyasu for Ben White, which is really not much of a change at all. I, you know, that worries me. You know, the, this midfield and, and the attacking, and obviously Gabriel Jesus being injured doesn't help, you know, their attacking options. But, um, you know, I think if Arsenal end up not winning the title, I think these the, like these types of moments are why. Because they don't have that, like, extra gear. They don't have that guy that they feel clearly comfortable with yet. And maybe by, like, April, there is someone that's able to step up in that position or they, you know, get active in the transfer window and they have that guy. But that would be a concern for me for Arsenal uh, going forward. Now, the guys getting the most touches in this game are Thomas Partey and, and Zinchenko. So it seems like Arsenal like to build up through Zinchenko as well, right? Yeah, Zinchenko's kind of been sliding in the midfield a lot. And that's, like, some yeah. of the, the nice things about Arsenal this year is obviously, like, when you have, like, you have Ben White, Saliba, and Gabriel able to play sort of as a, a sort of back three at times, which allows them in possessions and Checo to get forward really well, right? Allows the midfield to spread, allows them wide on the attack. Like they've they've done some interesting things, and Zinchenko has been like a huge part of that. Um, and I, I didn't think they were terrible in this game. I think they were unlucky, probably not to get away with three points here. I just think there's a lot of like hand wringing about this like game and how it was stolen from them and i get it like when you're in a title race and you you feel like every moment that goes against you is like the worst thing that's ever happened uh and you feel like there's like this conspiracy and or or whatever you know like if the emotions rise very quickly in these types of games and these types of environments so i get it but i just think it's important to keep perspective that it's like this kind of stuff happens to every team every team is gonna have these moments throughout the season where they probably maybe they should have gotten a penalty who knows uh, it's it's best to not dwell on it. I just I don't think it's ever good when the managers come out and, and saying that kind of thing. I think that's just like leave it. You know, like just leave it. I hate when Klopp does it. Klopp is guilty of this. Just leave it. Listen, they they played the team that has the least amount of allowed goals in the league. Like that, this is Newcastle's mo, right? They they're, they're going to stifle you defensively and try to get a goal, and if if they're really feeling it. They'll put a few by, but like they only had one shot on target one right out of their eight total shots. Uh, that's, that's to Arsenal's 17 total shots and four on target. So, you know, the, the offensive kind of chances are there. It's just, they need to make more of them for Arsenal. Uh, it, it seems like they had like a little bit of an off day, uh, but yeah, and I don't think anything was robbed of them. I mean, it, it, Newcastle has been playing out of their minds this year. Uh, the, 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 the Sven Botman has been an, an incredible signing for them, um, and and you know nobody kind of expected 
this team to to rise as quickly as they did right we were talking maybe you know last season about you know okay maybe they're overperforming and maybe maybe like you know this is a good start to their to their building process and and you know in a couple of years we'll see them you know challenge like they're in third right now a point behind city like this is this is this is something you know that that isn't to be scoffed at right now it's not a fluke you know we've no. seen teams you mentioned Udinese earlier right they were a team that if you looked at like underlying numbers, you thought like this is a little bit of variance. They're gonna fall back down a little bit. Like they're they're not truly a Champions League quality team. You, know, you look at like expected goal difference, right? Is a really good indicator of, of maybe teams that are just performing a little better or a little worse than they should, right? Like this has been the case with Roma this year, right? Like we expect Roma to maybe have a little bit of a turnaround if they if they finish a little better, because you expect them to score goals at a much better rate than they have. Um, if you look at Newcastle's numbers, this is kind of just where they are. <laughs> like they, they, this is they, this is just how good yeah. they've been. You know, like they've been up there with you. Know, when Man City and Liverpool obviously were were great last season, um, Newcastle and Spurs were like the two other teams that had been performing just as well as they. Had. You know, that's carried on into this season. So they're not here by some like happenstance. You know, obviously the fact that some other teams within England have not performed as well as we expect them to certainly helps in some ways. But it's by it's been by their own merit. This is and it. It is a little maybe earlier than we expected. I think, you know, believing in Champions League qualification is probably a season or two away. But, I mean, it's right there for them at this point. You know, and they've been playing well enough to do it. It's all about staying consistent through the rest of the year. But that'll be mm -hmm. exciting. Whatever the opposite of exciting is, is what Everton <laughs> are right now. Um, just a true minefield of a team. Because I don't know what the solution is here. They get smashed by Brighton 4-0 at home. Uh boos were heard and i don't blame them from the fans uh Yikes. frank lampard's job he got the the nice little uh like when they say like oh we believe in him we're gonna back him like that's always that's never good uh it's, nope. it's like the opposite that you want to hear in that situation <laughs> to be honest um i don't know that changing moving on from frank lampard really changes a whole lot because the issues here are so structural i feel like we've talked about this before that mm -hmm. everton it is much more than just frank lampard not being good enough and these current group of players not being good enough They're, just the recruitment in general has been terrible they spent a lot of money over the last few years and it has gotten them to this point um you know there's a structural issue within everton right now which is the the bigger problem than just any manager or any uh, group of players um they fall into the relegation zone and i can't say it's totally undeserved either you know like this is where they were for a, a large chunk of last year and it's frustrating too i think if you're everton because you obviously get a good result against city you get a draw and that's that's a that's great i mean they like that and it was a good performance too it's not like they got supremely lucky and that i think they stifled city in a lot of ways who really frustrated them um and then just to be so lifeless, I think, against Brighton, who are a good team, of course. But, uh, yeah, just those extremes and those those differences, I think, could also be very frustrating as a fan. Uh, and they've had some just, like, really some hair-pulling moments this year. Yeah, it's it's not looking good for them. I, one of the tweets I saw, I laughed at. They were like, uh, these men are trying to get Frank Lampard sacked. And it was a clip. Uh, I think the right back had it. He tried to pass it back to the center back. And it was just a horrendous, this, this horrendous is a, This is Andrew uh This is the fourth goal. Passes yeah, it yeah, yeah, into, yeah. like, absolutely nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that was tough. Yo, like, what? Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's just... It seems like they're trying to play to get him sacked now, um, but I, like you said, I don't think that changing the manager changes much. It, it, it's definitely deeper than just a tactical kind of how this team is being run type deal. It's it's it, it's definitely you know uh, way worse than that. We still we just sound like a broken record because we, we've been saying it every single time they play. It's just dreadful. And what's even worse is there's two teams that are worse than them. Yeah, only just, you know, I think that's... Barely, <laughs> barely, but yeah, yeah, like, it's it's crazy, it's just one loss and a draw, like, the difference between a loss and a draw is what separates Everton from Wolves, it's just, it, these teams are dreadful, Well, let's, dreadful. let's, let's move on then to, to Southampton and Nottingham Forest, because this is, uh, you know, again, a, a big, a big match at the bottom of the table, uh, Nottingham Forest get a big win. Southampton, I mean, these games, you know, we, we don't always talk about them in the moment, but these are the games that you, you reflect on in May and June now, you know, when the, the season ends. 
and like this is where whether it's the title relegation whatever like this is where you can win or lose those moments and it's just a massive win for nottingham forest uh to get over southampton who it's becoming week after week it's gonna be very hard for me to see them finding their way out of this situation um yeah, I wasn't high on Nottingham Forest coming into the year. I, I didn't expect them to stay up, but um, wins like this will will get you a long way, <laughs> and you know they're the reason that uh, Everton have fallen down into that spot. And West Ham as well picking up a point today. So um, Southampton, it's it's just it's hard for me. It's it's really hard for me to say they just look absolutely terrible. And I think some of the direction they went this past summer really leads me to believe that they're. Maybe not okay with getting relegated, but there there's at least a plan of like we've we've brought in some young players that we think we have like four or five young players that can sort of be the future here that we can build around, and you know we'll kind of move forward from there. You know, and they do have new ownership and, and things like that. Like you know, it's been a, a club that's been in the Premier League now for uh, a few years. You know, like they they've had a, a sort of stable shelf life, but um, it's hard for me to see them just performance wise staying up. We want to talk about the parity of, of, you know, how close it is in the Serie A table. Look, 13th and 20th are separated by five points in the Premier League. Five, yeah. just five points. Um, I mean, it's it's a 10-point gap between 20th and 12th, so that's a little bit more substantial. But five points, two weeks, right? Again, like what we just said, a team could end up in 20th. A team could end up in 15th. Like, this is what happened with Forest. They got a win. They went from 14 to 17 points, and they shot up. Like it's 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 going to be a really exciting end to the Premier League season as well. Uh, if some of these teams can kind of turn form, uh, but the, the way that it's been looking for for Everton Wolves and Southampton, it's just you know what well, you need something like what happened with uh, Sampdoria. You need that one type of win that can kind of spear you forward, and and maybe Forrest got that this week. Maybe you know they. They've got two wins, two draws, two losses in their last six. I mean, that's that's a lot better than what we're seeing from the five teams below them. Yeah, a lot of the teams in those bottom spots got at least good results. Like Wolves drew with Aston Villa. They, they frustratingly gave up a late goal to Danny Ings. This is extra frustrating for me because it's peaking into my personal life. Uh, I had Danny Ings in my fantasy Premier League team. And I brought him in as like a, a sneaky little transfer after the World Cup. And I was like, oh, man, I really think a new manager, he could do well. He blanks, he blanks. I'm like, ah, Watkins was playing so much better. He was getting like assists and goals. Like, well, let me transfer. I had the money to go from him to Watkins. It's like, that makes sense. Transferred him from Watkins. Watkins gets subbed today for Danny Ings. Danny Ings comes on and scores. I just, I, I can't believe myself. Shout out um, to anybody who decided to triple captain Danny Ings this week. <laughs> that is... I don't know who did that, but um, <laughs> yeah, West Ham get a, a draw with Leeds today. They sort of uh, that Crips and Bloods meme, you know, just sort of hold up the <laughs> hold up the truce. Um, neither team really wanted to <laughs> to commit too much. Uh, West Ham just moved out of the relegation zone, which you know, it's sort of like blown us by this year. I think that West Ham had been in the relegation zone for so much of it. Uh, because we don't really associate them with being... I mean, this is a team that was in Europa League semifinal, was pushing for Champions League places at, at one point, at least last season. So uh, good to see them, I guess, uh, crawl out of the basement. But yeah, the the relegation battle is going to be really exciting as we get on. Um, top four race is going to be exciting too, and there's a team that I think is really solidifying their, their place, or at least their push for it. That's Manchester United. Uh, their fourth straight game in the Premier League, sixth straight overall, if you count the, the EFL Cup. Uh, feels like they're starting to find an identity under Ten Hag. Uh, you know, they're 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 getting goals in key moments. I think the biggest thing too has been Marcus Rashford's return to form this year. Um, I think too, you like when you consider that Ronaldo has left this team and how toxic the environment has become. You know, I, I just don't think it's a coincidence that all that this team just seems to be playing a lot better with him, just completely out of the situation. Um, you know, you can't discount what like a, a clean environment can do for, for a club and for a team. So um Manchester United like uh trending very much in the right direction. Uh, you know, and they have a, a potential at least to get involved in a sneaky little title race. You know, it's it's not realistic. Uh, they're nine points behind. But you never know. at, at the very least, this team's aim was to get back in the Champions League. They still have this ownership uh, sale lingering over them too, um, like the sort of Damocles uh, to see who who could potentially be worse than the Glazers uh, to to run this team. 
the answer is probably no one. I, I don't know if an ownership group that might be like worse or more toxic, but uh, they at least have that going for them that they're they're gonna. I'd love it if Liverpool got sold too. Like let's just let's just let's just quick it up, huh? Quick it up. But that's just the way it goes. But I I I have been impressed with Manchester United, uh, and I say that really oh man really it's... balling my hands up into a fist I, if you it... could see if you could see like my waist right now i'm just like scratching my inner... I, i'm pretty i'm pretty tight about it <laughs> for me, listen i i hate to say it as much as you do dude uh, the last three league games they have not conceded a goal uh it, it just looks like they have started to play very well i mean granted they do have to play city and arsenal in the next two games so that identity that they may be finding under Ten Hag will be put to a test. Uh, you know, they're playing two teams that are above them. Uh, this is they are the are, only team to beat Arsenal this year, though in the league. These so. are the these are the type of games that you know mean a lot to the success of their season. These types of games are the ones that will help you climb up because when you start picking up points against the small teams and and, and the ones that you expect to win, that's that's what'll keep you up there. That type of consistency. So. I mean, in their last, what, six league games, they only have one loss. The rest are wins, no draws. So that's cool. Uh, they've got a FA Cup game against Everton. They've got, uh, what, the, the the League Cup against Charlton, and then they play City. So a uh, little squad rotation going on probably for them. But uh, definitely, you know, within the next two weeks, we'll have a, a good idea of this identity that Ten Hag is bringing to the team. You, uh, you, you buried the lead, too, because guess who they've got in February as well? A nice little Europa League tie against Barcelona. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wasn't even looking that far down the schedule. I was looking very close in time. Before but, you know it, yeah. we'll be in February talking about Champions League again, which I'm absolutely dreading. Uh, <laughs> not looking forward to getting stomped again by Real Madrid. Just, just cruel... The cruelness of life. It's never hey, ending. The pain just never stops. Listen, I'm just praying to the gods that that, that my team can figure something out in the in the Champions League, man. You and I are in the same boat right now. <laughs> You're fine. You got Spurs. They're terrible. Antonio Conte is like the worst like Listen, Champions League manager I've ever seen in my life. When you consider the difference Milan, between him and the domestic league, Milan have been awful against English sides for as long as I can remember. I mean, if you Liverpool looking... have been awful against Spanish sides for as long as I can remember. <laughs> Listen, Chelsea is tenth, and we lost big time to them in both group games, and Tottenham at least has a European spot. In, one of in those was her. one of those was a little harsh on Milan. This is a harsh red card. Listen, listen, listen. I, I'm just not sold yet. I, we talked, we spoke about weaknesses earlier. We'll save this for a, for a show later on when we're previewing games. But I just really that game is on Valentine's Day. That's gonna be a tough one to swing. That's gonna be you got to get to talk to the woman. And be like, ah, you know. Well, the game's in the afternoon. You know, she doesn't. Get yeah, but it. I'm talking the mood for yourself. Like, how, what kind of mental state are you going to be? Oh, in, it'll you know? it'll help distract me from <laughs> if they lose. You know, the, the, I can at least you know get my mind away from it for a bit, and then you know the next day I'll be like, God damn it, you know. But you know, whatever you know, sicko had the idea that like, because this, this is not the first like. There's someone out there that was like, let's just start putting these games on Valentine's Day. Let's let's really just mess with everyone. Is Valentine's Day like an international type thing, or is it more like a? Like I a would US... imagine, at least in like parts of Western Europe, it is. There's a lot of similarities in like holidays we observe. I would imagine there's something close to Valentine's Day. I'd imagine England probably has Valentine's Day. Yeah, like, I, like consumer-based holidays type deal. Like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, somebody, somebody, let me know. Uh, Valentine's Day is not a public holiday in the UK, but it is celebrated throughout the country on February 14th each year by friends, lovers, and secret admirers. Oh, secret admirers. Yeah. Nice. The more you know. <laughs> this is this is really funny. Usually British people celebrate Valentine's Day by giving each other gifts. You know shit. Uh, men <laughs> tend to please their women by giving jewelry. Ah. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Nice. Cool. <laughs> nice. 
I'm not doing that. I've got a wedding to save for. I've already given the jewelry. Yeah, I was going to say, that's... <laughs> that gives you a pass for like five to six years. <laughs> That kind of, uh, that kind of, that kind of yeah. down. That's a, that's not just a down payment on other. That, that is a down payment on like jewelry gifts for like a, a, a little bit. You know, <laughs> like you're good. If you see something nice at Zales on sale, you know maybe. Yeah, well, listen. You know, now it doesn't have to be. You know, the the multi grand. You know, uh, the price tag. You know, you see something. It's like eight hundred dollars. Okay, you know, that's that's a little bit. That's a little more affordable now. But it's like. What's up, babe? Let me put a PS5 on your on your neck real quick. <laughs> it's wild if you think about it that way. It's, <laughs> it's wild if you think about that way. Yep. Well, <laughs> Chelsea Man City tomorrow, FA Cup at the weekend. Looking forward to that. Milan Roma this weekend. That's going to be a good one. So there, there's plenty to, to keep your eyes glued and peeled on. Don't glue and peel your eyes, though. That sounds like uh, a Saw movie. Um Dom, anything to say before we get out of here? Uh, speaking of Roma, uh, shout out to them for uh, expanding their trophy cabinet a oh little Christ. bit. I just, I was so <laughs> hoping you are not going to get into this weird Roma <laughs> obsession. You know, now they can place uh, Paulo Dybala's World Cup uh, winner's medal right next to their bonsai tree uh, in their trophy cabinet because, you know, they've got nothing else to speak for uh, except their uh, their European uh participation trophy that they won last year so you know uh big ups to them <laughs> done <laughs> for done for anybody my head. for anybody listening uh just audio only uh, you're going to have to go check out the youtube video just to see Matt's reaction <laughs> it's, it's a visual one <laughs> you're obsessed with this I hate that team. I don't know why. <laughs> I just hate them. I don't know. I don't know either, man. I just have a burning hatred for them. I don't know what it is. I think it's nice. I think it's cool when players win like the World Cup and stuff and come back and there's like a celebration of them doing that. And I don't think it's nearly as weird as people no, are listen, making out to be. Listen, fair play to, to, to Paulo Dybala for what he did. That's cool, right? Yeah, but damn. I've seen some Twitter accounts celebrating that shit like it was a <laughs> like it was the Champions League trophy. Hey, listen, you didn't see Juventus do this with Di Maria. I, yeah, maybe they didn't. I don't know, or maybe they just didn't publicize it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Messi's getting a guard of honor for practice today. Like, I just, I think it's, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like they I mean, recreated uh, Alex McAllister holding the World Cup trophy at Brighton with confetti. You know, like, on, before before we go, can we not get a little crazy? Can we talk about one of the headlines that happened in the soccer world today? Ronaldo making his Al Nasser debut. Uh, he signed for for. Saudi uh, he did Arabian not make club. his debut because he's well, still not his on... debut, but practice debut because they filled up an entire stadium because he's live, like... uh, suspended for two more games for smashing that Everton fan's phone uh, like ten months ago. They finally <laughs> punished him for that. Uh, yeah, shout out to him, I guess. Can't right. wait to never hear about him again. That's so cool. <laughs> Yo, literally, I cannot wait to see his 85-rated card in FIFA next year. <laughs> you know, there it is. There's the Dom. There's the Dom bingo card. Weird Roma uh, shots and uh, and FIFA Ultimate Team reference. There it is. Yeah, hey, I almost made it the whole hour without doing it. So well, Almost. Know, almost, but not quite. <laughs> we'll be back next week uh, for more Dom bingo and uh, – talking about all the games from the rest of this weekend this weekend until then keep it safe enjoy your new year and we'll talk to you then